Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Susan Rowan, author of How to Work a Room and Secrets of Savvy Networking. And if you want to learn how to be a better networker, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here on the show. Today is a unique interview with a lady that has been somebody that I probably should have gotten on the show a long time ago. Um, she's one of the, the leading networking experts out there and author of the book, how to Work a Room, among many, many others. Her name is Susan Roan. Susan provides the tools and techniques that create the connections and collaboration that build business relationships. She is known as the Mingling Maven and is the leading international authority and original expert on How to Work a Room. Her best-selling books, popular interactive presentations, and media interviews help people, companies, and organizations successfully develop, build, and manage client relationships that increase business growth. So typically the first part of the interviews, if you listen to the show, you know this, we spend a lot of time talking about their context, background, all that kind of stuff, and then move into more of a networking conversation. Well, today, this interview is going to be really a lot about networking because her background and context and everything is uh, really a networking conversation to begin with. So there's a lot of different stuff in here. 
we even butt heads on one point about cocktail parties. Um, some of her some of her methods have have been used for the last few decades, really. So I kind of challenged her, and then she kind of challenged me, and it was it was overall a good conversation. So I can't wait for you guys to hear about this one. Um, we talk about how to work a room, some conversation starters, what you can say, what not to say, and some of those weird, awkward conversations, and then also why you should like small talk. So there's a lot of different things in here, tips and strategies and tactics, and some really really deep practical things that we talk about in terms of how to become a better networker. So before we get into that, I want to let you all know that I recently opened up a few more VIP day slots in my calendar. So if podcasting is something that is on the top of our priority list for 2019, this is the most valuable investment that I have available. You're going to fly out here to Vegas, spend a full day with me one-on-one to help you launch, grow, and monetize a podcast for this year. So the whole experience is catered to you in terms of what we're going to cover and even what we're going to eat, all that kind of stuff. So, oh, plus I give VIP day guests and access to the network that I've been able to build and uh, to a few key people that will be able to help you move your show forward and everything like that. So if you're interested in this experience at all, head over to travischapel.com slash coaching to apply. And hopefully I will see you here in Vegas really soon. And now here is my chat with Susan Roan. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. I am so excited. This is just the perfect match, you and I. It sure seems like it. I don't know how I didn't get you on sooner than right now. Well, the nice thing is it's never too late. That is fair. That's a good point. That's a good point. So for those of you wondering exactly what we're talking about, you heard a little bit of, about Susan in her intro, but she is a networking expert for sure. So I'm really excited to get into some of the uh, more tactical, practical strategies here. Um, but first, let's kind of head back to the beginning here, Susan, and build some context for everybody listening. Talk to me about how you got started in all of this. Like, What were your goals and dreams for yourself even in high school as a kid? And, and how did that kind of transform into, into what you got going on now today? Well, interestingly, I didn't want to be a teacher like everyone had to be. And that didn't go really well because I was a teacher for a long time. The story <laughs> is a very interesting one because I didn't plan to be this. I was a school teacher in San Francisco. They laid off 1,200 teachers. I had people calling me, you know, really very upset. First of all, George Bernard Shaw's Those Who Can Do and Those Who Can't Teach, which is, by the way, bogus. A lot of us bought into that, and here they're going to lay us off, and people love teaching, and a lot of people still do, but what I did is kind of cheerleaded my friends. Oh, you're so good at this. You could do this. The third time, one of my dear friends said, no, I can't do that. I finally got a little exasperated and said, what do you mean you can't do it? You have two gifted kids. You could do something. And then I realized, honestly, Travis, that wasn't a very good thing to say. So what I did is I decided to do a career change workshop for teachers. And this goes back to the whole concept of networking. Back in those days, we didn't have the internet. We didn't even have email. We had to do, and I know your audience is going to be shocked, this archaic thing called go to the library, go to the card catalog, find books. And I found a book on career change for teachers, and I called the author in New York. I actually picked up the phone and called her. Fast forward a couple of decades, whenever I go to New York, I still see her. I've hosted her here in San Francisco. So it goes to something you've said. When there's something you want to do, research it, source it. Yes, now we can 
email someone or, you know, messenger mm. them. But don't be afraid to pick up the phone because mm. when people hear your voice, like you're hearing us, there's a different connection that happens. 100%. 100%. And so I ran, and because, again, this goes back to my network. Oh, you're making me think of this. When I was a teacher, I was... And please understand, I'm saying this with all pride and joy. I was a member of National Women's Political Caucus. And through my political network, which shouldn't surprise you when you find out I'm originally from Chicago and you know about our politics, I met different people. And when a friend of mine was meeting with one of these people and telling her that she was one of the teachers laid off, she mentioned my workshop I was trying to do. And the woman working for our, then our assemblyman, Willie Brown, said, oh, I know Susan from National Women's Political Caucus. She's doing a career change work, workshop for teachers. Please have her come in to see me. And wow. then our assemblyman put his name over my workshop, helped me get it funded. So it wasn't just Susan Rowan. It was Susan Rowan, sponsored by Willie Brown, who ended up being mayor of San Francisco. And you know, it goes back to who knew when I joined National Women's Political Caucus years before that someone saying something to somebody would turn into, I have Susan call me. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. That right there, though, Susan, is exactly the beauty of networking, right? Like that's the, one of the biggest pushbacks that I get from people is in most other forms of personal development or investing in yourself, there's a direct return on investment 
Meaning like if, if I take sales training or business consulting and I, I purchase this from somebody, there's an obvious result that I'm trying to get from that. And so it's a little bit easier for me to be like, okay, well, I know that if I spend X amount of dollars, I'll probably get about X amount of dollars back. But that, that's the whole thing about networking. That's just kind of like a, you just got to trust that good stuff's going to happen. And uh, I think that might be one of the, th- one of the reasons that it's kind of difficult for people who haven't ever experienced the power of, of networking and relationship building and knowing the right people and adding value to the right people. But someone like you, who's just been doing this for your entire career, is a testament to how effective this tool can be to helping you build not only like your ideas and concepts, but businesses and your personal brand, your books, your audience, like everything that you've been able to uh, accumulate over your career. So, And let me tell you, and I'm going to say this to our audience, Travis said very nicely and very articulately, but I'm going to add in networking is, and this is one of the tenets I came up with when I wrote Secrets of Savvy Networking, Networking is not a business style. It's a lifestyle. So, so much of what we do really is networking. Let me define it. It's the exchange of ideas, information, leads, sources. And if you're lucky, support and humor that's mutually beneficial and it benefits our personal and our professional lives. So, with that, it's, I know some people in our audience are going, well, I don't really do it. Yes, you do. You've recommended restaurants, you've recommended mechanics, you've recommended hairstylists, you've recommended, you know, what to eat at a restaurant. It's really about being open, being supportive. Earlier today, one of my, and I'm sorry to say this, I adore these people and the people know me. If I intro you, that means I not only respect you, but I really like you because you could be the most well-known person in a genre, but if I don't really like you, ain't introducing you to nobody. And I'll tell you why. We want to introduce people that, A, we could do so with original, authentic enthusiasm. And if we have some kind of, oh, I'm not sure about this, don't do it. Hmm. No, your reputation's on the line. Yeah, yeah. They're borrowing your credibility and your relationships. Exactly. Anytime an introduction is made. But what you just said is the Susan Rowan marketing. And I want everyone listening to remember this because I know they heard it from their parents, their grandparents, etc. It's the you never know school of marketing mm-hmm. or the who knew, like who knew when I joined this. And I'll tell you what else happened. When I was a teacher, I'm a big believer in thank you notes. I still write them. But now my handwriting's worse. And I did have someone send me back. <laughs> a friend of mine from high school sent me back a birthday card I sent her with one word circled and said, could you please tell me what word this yeah. is? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the thought that counts, Susan. Yes, we'll we'll let you pass on that one, yeah. Yeah, it's not a penmanship quiz. And by the way, don't use, I penmanship's terrible, or I don't have cursive, and I hope they still continue to teach it as a reason not to write a handwritten note. Don't do that because people will save. This is a networking tip. People will save a handwritten note and they'll never save a text or an email where you acknowledge and say thank you. 
Yeah, that's so true. And I, just to piggyback off of that too, Susan, this is something that you've been doing obviously for a really long time, but this is something that I do as well. And so for anybody out there listening, that's thinking like, well, you know, maybe this, maybe that worked back in the day, but I don't know if that's like super effective anymore. And I would say that it's even more effective now because everybody gets so lazy with their communication that like emails and texts is really all anybody ever sends. The best responses that I've gotten from people that, that I've been trying to get a hold of or had on the show or been trying to get on the show have been from physical things that I've sent in the actual mail and handwritten notes go a long way. Anytime I send somebody a handwritten note or something similar to that, it's always they always post about it on social media and tag me in it because they're just so blown away that I would actually take the time to sit down and write out a handwritten thank you card that has some sort of thoughtfulness behind it. And that is a magical tool for me. And it, I, I honestly have been really trying to make it more part of my routine instead of just something that I do every once in a while, making it an effort to sit down and write out a few every single week to send out to people because it's such a great practice. So just to kind of confirm what you were just talking about, Susan, but sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Okay. Now the, the, I can't remember where it was. Now here's the thing. You said something magical. Oh, is people don't do that anymore. Well, in this workaday world where we're all trying to do something to stand out, if everyone's doing everything online, if you do something old school, people remember you. I just had a, a buddy of mine who's totally techie on Facebook show all the pens he collected. He collects pens. People were like writing things going, oh my goodness, you know, my grandmother gave me one. Some of the things that nobody else does is the things you ought to be doing. And I'm going to say this because I know a lot of people talk about networking because they want to be strategic and they want to be businesslike. And let's see, whatever buzzword. Oh, I know, leverage. But I'm going to say this, and this is a little different. If you want to build relationships, and I don't like the word authentic because it's only used by inauthentic people. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like the word spiritual. Oh, I'm so spiritual. Really? You just open your car door and hit my car and you want to drive away? How spiritual is that? <laughs> here in Marin, I don't go kindly with buzzwords. And when I hear people talk about silos, I think, really, you're on a farm? Or here, <laughs> I know I get a little, I did a, a post saying, please don't tell me you're taking a deep dive into a conversation unless you're standing at a pool. <laughs> so I think we need to be practical. But I want to say to people who say, oh, I don't have time for networking. You don't have time not and if you don't want to use the word networking, how about this? Not being helpful to mm. other people. And I use that word because when I was speaking for a big insurance company and they brought me in because they were at a trade show and their sales team got a little too happy at happy hour and lost the cards they had that they collected, very costly endeavor. And they brought me in to teach them. And I remember the, I guess he was the vice president. He grew up on a farm in Michigan. And he said to me, you know, Susan, we had a word for networking on the farm. And I was very impressed. I said, really, is there an agricultural term for networking? And I loved it. He just looked at me and smiled and said, oh, yes, we called it helping. Hey, what's up, fellow and future networkers? Want to listen to Build Your Network a Day Early? 
Download the Himalaya app and follow the show for exclusive first access. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters, aka me, some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free. It's the easiest platform to use, and they're adding cool new features every single day. So go to the App Store, download Himalaya, that's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A, and don't forget to follow Build Your Network once you're there. Yeah, that's honestly such a great, great way to say it. I've never heard anybody say, and the way that you just said it just now and a little bit earlier too, is that when people say stuff like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not really a networker. I don't, I don't do that. And basically your response is no, like everybody does it. It just depends on if you're doing it on purpose or on accident. And then if you try to do it better or do it more often, but everybody's recommending and like it, everybody has this idea that networking is like this magical thing that takes place at a cocktail mixer and it has to be for the purpose of exchanging business cards and booking business immediately. And that's something that I've said for a while now is that networking and relationship building should not be independent things. They should not be separate from each other. They're, it's the same exact thing. It's just done in different contexts. So people treat going out to the bar with a buddy from work and then going to a cocktail mixer, they treat those as two completely separate occasions and two completely separate things. And, and the networking part, well, that's just work. That's what I got to do for work stuff. But over here with my buddy, I'm just hanging out, having fun, getting to know him and getting to know his friend that he brought. And now we're all just kind of laughing, joking, getting to know each other and talking about our interests or whatever. And they're compartmentalizing these two separate activities. And really it's just done the wrong way. It's the same thing. Networking is all is like literally just relationship building if it's done the right way. And if it's done the other way, that's not really networking in my opinion. Like the cocktail mixer, throw your business card in a hundred people's faces. Like that to me is not even networking. That to me is more just cold calling. It's the same thing as getting on the phone and calling through a hundred names and trying to get them to give you business or going out and door knocking, and trying to get them to give you business. Going to a cocktail mix with a bunch of other people that are trying to get business from you while you're trying to get business from them isn't my definition of actual relationship building. Yes, it is. I'm going to be here. I'll tell you because I also wrote how to work a room and the secret to savvy networking. They are two different endeavors. They're two different skills. So I will say what you just actually build on what you said about cold calling. Every single one of us gets invited somewhere. You know, when people say our number one fear is getting up and giving a speech. No, it isn't. First of all, our number one fear is arachnophobia, but that's another story. And it's not about Iraq. That's about spiders. But really, our number one fear is walking into a room full of people we don't know. Because honestly, Travis, not everybody has to give a speech. But when Dr. Zimbardo was the head of this shyness clinic at Stanford, which he started in the 80s, he discovered 80% of American adults self-identify as shy. Well, you get invited to a business event. You get invited to a fundraiser. You get invited to a political event. You have to go to a trade show. You walk into a room full of people you don't know. 80% of us are uncomfortable. But that jumped to 93% mm, made by eight years later. So here's what I would say. When you get invited to an event, every one of you listening Susan Rowan is going to be on your left shoulder whispering in your ear. Check your calendar, RSVP, and show up. And the reason is, it's a way to build your warm calling. When you're there, eye with people face to face, you're not going to throw out business cards like you're dealing blackjack. That's offensive. But the idea of talking to people, you're in the same room. 
then you have something in common. When I did a radio show on, uh, it was an NPR station in, can't remember what state, an older gentleman called, and here's what he said. This is why I thought he was genius. He started off with, and young lady, and I go, oh, you're a genius. But he said when they went to town, he was in a small community, but when they went to town, and I even think that was like the 30s and 40s, for dances, they had a saying that I now quote all the time in my presentations, and I put it in my books, so helpful to people. He said, we used to say that the roof is the introduction. If you're under the same roof, you already have something in common, whether it's your friend's wedding or the professional association holiday party or a fundraiser for a local charity. You already have something in common. On top of it, it's the traffic. Did you get a parking space? Here's the food. What's the weather like? Now, I'm going to play the devil's advocate also on small talk to all of you sitting out there going, well, it's small talk and I don't like it. Get over it. You cannot start a conversation with famine, war, politics. It may be the most interesting thing, and I am very political, but really I've got a beverage in one hand and an hors d'oeuvre in the other and or a little mini chocolate bunt cake. I'm not talking about the heavy subjects that you want to do a deep dive. And please don't meet me and say, tell me what keeps you up at night. The next person that says that to me, Travis, I'm going to say questions from people I don't know like that, from that you just said. <laughs> you have to earn the right to ask certain questions. What you do when you go to a room is you meet people, you exchange, you have pleasantries, you laugh together, you find out I'm originally from Chicago, but I live in San Francisco. Who's a Cub fan? Who's a Giants fan? The Golden State Warriors are across the bay, and we all know we are all Steph Curry fans. Sports. It's like I did watch every minute of the Oscars, and it's been played all over. Do you think Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper an item? God bless her. She just said, we call that acting. And I just love that answer. And do you see what I just did? You know where I live. You know where I'm from. You know that I know a little bit about sports. You know I'm a little Steph Curry fan. You know that I watch the Oscars. I'm a movie fan. I belong to two different movie festivals. What you can do to let people know who you are when you go to events, throw in a little prepositional phrase in the middle of a sentence. How you transition to some business, I learned from someone in one of my presentations at one of the big four consulting firms. In the middle of a sentence, he'll throw in that he is a motocross bike. I don't even know what they call that. And he sees, oh no, I know what he is. He's a, he has a Harley. So he kind of throws that into the middle of a sentence and he sees who picks it up. And he said, once we find that connection, the conversation's different. So knowing how to work a room and please come to my website. I have tons of free tips. That's important. And it's really not about working room. It's about having fun in a room. Yes, exactly. So, so when you, when you were starting that answer, I was like, okay, where is she going with this? But eventually arrived at it more or less really what I was saying at the beginning. So just to clarify, I wasn't telling people to avoid those situations, just simply to treat the activity the same, to say that it's like, when you're over here, you want to like spit out this elevator pitch and you feel like these people feel like it's like, this is work over here. This is, this is like, I have to get a certain result. I need to make a dollar amount on transactions tonight or else this 
time isn't worth it. Whereas over in this other situation, it's about what you were just talking about. It's about Steph Curry. It's about these other just regular connecting with people, like being a normal person and actually connecting with another human about human things and not saying like, here's my business card. How can we do business immediately? And then, and then figuring out that you can't do business with that person and being like, okay, great. Good to meet you. But I'm going to go talk to somebody else that I can potentially do business with. I'm saying it's not necessarily people are doing are not doing the right things in terms of activities, but it's that people treat them differently in terms of how the conversation should be held, if that makes sense. No, it does. And you said something I want to reemphasize for our audience who are really want to be great networkers. You said something about the elevator pitch, and you and I agree on that. When you meet people, a 30-second elevator pitch, you shouldn't even give it in an elevator. I mean, you're at an event. It's, there's a social aspect to it. Nobody wants to hear you go on about yourself for 30 seconds. It's a pleasantry. It's finding those small talk. Through small talk, you find those little common bonds. It may be that you both have golden retrievers. It may be you both have four kids. It may be that you both are planning a big trip down the Danube. You know, who knows? But wait, oh, I'll tell you what we do. Travis, when I find out someone is from Chicago or has visited Chicago, I'll say to them, and I always do say, so where did you eat pizza? <laughs> now, you may laugh, and people in the audience are going, well, what does that have to do with networking? Do you know how many conversations I've had about deep dish pizza versus flat little skinny crusted pizza? <laughs> so do you have an opinion on that, Susan? Oh, yes. Is that what I'm hearing? A big, well, I'm a deep dish, you know, I, you know, it's like there's a little cub uh, running through my veins, even though I live here in the deep dish. I, someone said, well, I can hardly eat two pieces. I go, well, you're not supposed to. And then it's like John Stewart did is, do you eat really eat pizza with a fork and knife? Yes, we do. <laughs> and do you see what I just did? It's like people talk about those little things in common. You may find out someone went to your school. I'll tell you, this is a story. I was speaking outside of New Orleans. My best friend from college lives in Mobile, drove in, and we drove to New Orleans. And by the way, we did go to the Voodoo Museum, which was very cool. We are walking down the street in Jackson Square, New Orleans in January, and I see two people wearing orange and blue. And then I look and they have Illinois insignia on their caps. I didn't go up and talk to them. I didn't know what to do so quickly. I went up and sang our University of Illinois song to them. My friend and I both went to University of Illinois, and in the midst of all the New Orleans, Louisiana, were two Illinois people. We stood there and talked for about 15 minutes. Did we exchange cards? No, but we exchanged stories, and we, four of us, walked away smiling. Sometimes it won't be that it's a long-term life relationship, but sometimes it's just that little thing you do that makes somebody else's day a little bit better. Let me ask you this, Susan, going back a little bit to the working a room situation, probably the most common question that's asked in those scenarios, I would love to hear your thoughts on whether or not it is good or bad or neutral. So I, I think the probably the most common question asked would be, what do you do in one of those situations? What, what do you feel about that question? What do I do? Okay, you want me to you mean like when someone's walking into a room? Yeah, so if it's a good or bad idea to ask that question in oh, those types of situations. Oh, ask the question, what do you do? Yeah. I have asked it when it's been, I thought, appropriate that the conversation was leaning that way. 
but I have a colleague who's just a very funny woman and a humorist. Jeannie Robertson has said, what do you do in your spare time? Now, what that does is, because some people don't like what they do for a living, but they are very active as volunteers in areas that really mean a lot to them. When you ask a person, someone could be between jobs. When you say, what do you do? That puts them a little in an uncomfortable situation. What do you do in your spare time, Travis, allows people to talk about what they love doing, what they do when they have spare time. And for the person that says, are you kidding? I work 60 hours a day. I can barely find time to eat. Who has spare time? That's great information. Then you can take the conversation in the other way. And that's when you say, oh my goodness, 60 hours a week. What is it that you do? So I think, what do you do? You have to be careful about that because you want to make sure that you don't put someone in a, a situation that gives them pause for thought. But here's another way to do that. When people ask you about you and you tell them a little bit about yourself, what I advise people in my presentations and in my book, you don't go on just because they asked about you and do a whole spiel. What you do is you say a little and then you stop yourself and turn to them and say, and this is the Susan Rowan, remember this, how about you? Because when you say how about you, you give them the latitude. Oh, I'm training for a marathon. Maybe they don't want to talk about what they're doing. That the marathon, you start that conversation, and then it leads to something else. And that is something else to remember. Conversation is organic. It goes all over the map. Some of us, meaning me, don't even finish all of our sentences till we start a new thought. Yeah, I know I have someone that said, oh my God, I can't even follow you. And I said, well, that's why I call my best friend, because we don't have to finish sentences. <laughs> However, it would be a good idea if you finished your sentences. And you see what I just did. Someone else who doesn't finish all their sentences and goes to the next thought might say, oh my gosh, I do that all the time. Oh, I have an ex-wife that I divorced because she did that. It gives people something to talk about. So I, I think that what do you do? Now, when you go to a specifically business event, and that's the whole point, you could do that. But you know what will really build a connected relationship is if you don't do that. And if you connect with the person on a one-to-one -one personal level, on something outside of work, because that will foster the relationship that has to do with work. Besides what do you do and what do you do in your spare time, what are some other good conversation starters? Well, first of all, before you go anywhere, read the paper online, on your phone, on your watch. I don't care. There are conversation is in those pieces of information. To start conversation, what I would suggest, two things. One, that you wear something that someone could talk about. Uh, Madeline Albright did that for years with her pins. I know some gentlemen who wear fun ties. When I was speaking for a corporation in um, Indiana, the gentleman, a $7 billion corporation, I go to the cocktail party before my speech, and he's wearing a Looney Tune tie. And I was, I went up to him and I said, kind of interesting. You're the CEO of this company. You're wearing a Looney Tune tie. And here's what he explained to me. It's because I'm the CEO of this company. If I wore a regular business tie, it could be intimidating. But when I've got, you know, Taffy Duck and whoever, and I'm wearing a Looney Tune tie, he said, my people and their spouses feel comfortable coming over and talking to me. So I think it's how do we 
do we make it easy for people to talk to us is one thing. What a couple other things, first of all, this is the Rowan tip. If you're going to an event and it's like a reception with circulating, if you want to meet the most fun, interesting people, start at the dessert table. Who wouldn't have a conversation with someone eating like a chocolate chip brownie, etc.? People eating desserts are a little more open. It's been my observation that I've never found anyone that open who is at the cut-up vegetable table. I started at the dessert table, and I'm not a drinker, but I always will have a glass of water with me. And I don't even now, at this stage, I don't even bother to tell people, what are you kidding? It's vodka. It's water. Where I live in California, the big word is hydrate, hydrate. It could be about the food. It could be about the venue. The opening line when you see someone standing there in and they're alone uh, might be, oh, I see it. Because if it's a business event, you'll have a name tag. Look at name tags. They will give you the start for conversations. Oh, I see you're from so-and-so. I used to know someone there. And if you are have an opportunity to fill out a name tag, number one, put it on your right side. That's the line of sight vision when you're shaking hands. Number two, write something interesting on it, not your title. Because titles change in different companies. But write something fun. Gentleman that was a financial planner, he'd go to chamber events and he would always write financial planner. And um, that people talked to him. One time he told me he wrote under his name, money. People came over and talked to him more than he ever had. Make for people to come over and talk to you. I love that advice real quick. Sorry to interrupt you. That is definitely something that I talk, especially for introverted people who don't thrive in those types of events. But a lot of times those events will attract more extroverted people. So if you're an introvert and you're at these events, do exactly what Susan is saying. Make it easy for people who are natural conversation starters to come up to you and start the conversation so that you don't have to expend your mental energy to do the thing that takes a lot of that energy to do. So do those things that, that Susan's saying, make yourself a little bit more approachable. Remember to always have opened up body language and not closed up body language and don't fold your arms and don't look off in the distance. Like try to make eye contact with people, keep your, uh, your arms down at your side. And a lot of times I'll stand by the bar. Even if you're not going to drink, if you stand by the bar, a lot of other people are going to drink and they're probably going to walk by you. So if you stand by the bar with open body language and make eye contact with people coming to get a drink and they're a little bit extroverted, chances are they'll probably start the conversation with you and then you can get into talking and having a, a good profitable conversation. And I am going to weigh in on this introvert-extrovert thing, having had to write a couple of articles on introversion. Please don't self-label yourself. Well, I just, that was, I just repeated myself. Please don't self-label. For some reason, we're now in the whole introvert-extrovert trend. And I think what some people are doing is saying, oh, I'm not good at that, therefore I don't do that. You wouldn't label your best friend. Don't label yourself. What we found, and it's based on Jungian philosophy, is people do what they need to do when they need to do it. You know that old picture of the 86-pound grandmother that lifts the car off the grandchild? Mm -hmm. When you know that you have to do it, I think most people rise to the occasion. In fact, and this is a tip from shy people, and I like to present that because it makes sense to me. In research, and I'm not just saying a bunch of blowing smoke. This is the research, social science research on shy people. What they do at an event, they never 
arrive to make a grand entrance. That is way too hard on the shy person and the introvert. So here's the tip. Arrive within 15 minutes of the time on the invitation or evite, because that way you'll be there and people will be walking across you, whether they're coming to the bar, whether they're coming to the dessert table, they will walk across, have to pass you and acknowledge you and that makes it easier. So that's a great tip from shy people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, recently I was at an event. It was a really, really large event. There's about 30,000 people there, really large business event. And sometimes at those really large ones, it can kind of get overwhelming because there's so many people and you're just not sure that like the, you know, there could be a hundred people walking by you in a 30 second period. So it, sometimes it's kind of difficult. And I, a buddy of mine, I, I loved what he was doing. He was standing by one of the places where people were taking pictures of their, themselves at the event. And he just offered to take pictures for people. So instead of them having to reach their arm out and take a selfie or look for somebody to take a picture, he just stood there for an hour or two hours and just offered to take people's pictures for them. And then had a conversation right after they were done taking the picture. And something like that was just such an, a genius way of standing there offering value at leading with value, adding value for nothing, and then having a quick conversation afterwards. And he was able to really connect with a lot of people. That is wonderful because I have always done this. I love my own city. I'm a big tourist in my own city. But when I see people trying to take a picture of each other, and I have done this for, I don't know, many, many, many years, I always go up to people and say, would you like to have a picture together? And in fact, did that yesterday when I was um, out in Half Moon Bay on the California coast. It was gorgeous. And there were two women and they were taking pictures. And I just stopped my conversation and said, would you like a picture together? And, oh, thank you so much. Oh, well, where are you from? Well, these two women were high school friends. They're now 50. They were high school friends in Pakistan. One came all the way from Pakistan to visit her high school friend. Wow. And then having read the news, I said, is everybody that you know safe? We've been reading about it. And the conversation took an interesting turn. And you know what? That is something we can do, not just at business events. We should do that in life. When you see someone try to take a selfie, I sometimes go over to the Vista Point here in San Francisco because it's just breathtaking. And I'll see people from all over the world trying to take pictures. And I offer to take a picture. It gives me Practice in talking to strangers. And that's the other thing. Practice talking to strangers. Don't wait until I'm at a business event. Right, right. Do it at someone's wedding. Stand by that funny little booth that people put on the silly hats, the photo booth. Stand by the bar. Stand by the dessert table. Practice. Practice when you go to the supermarket. Practice talking to people, noticing things. I do this when I see people with beautiful white hair. I've done this for years. I'd say, oh, excuse me, I just have to tell you, your hair is beautiful. A, sometimes I'm the only person that's talked to a senior citizen that day. But B, I hear these amazing stories that they open up. I think once you do this more in your full life, it'll be easier to do it in your business life. I love that. Well, Susan, we have covered a lot of different things today. We got to move into the last segment here really quickly. I want to be respectful of your time. Real quick, before we do though, there's a question that I have to ask you because I ask every guest that comes on. It's my favorite thing. So who you know or what you know, Susan, which one is more important? I'm going to give you the third one. This is the Susan Rowan quote. It's who knows you. Love it. 
Love it. Perfect way to answer and perfect way to segment or go directly into this last segment here. Uh, Something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Sure. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Well, I wanted to be a lawyer. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and talk with them for an hour, who would it be and why? It would be Golda Meir, the first woman prime minister who used to also be a teacher. And I'd say, how did you make that career change? How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? A, all of the above. Sounds like I have a little ADD. But I like print. I read three print newspapers a day and about two online. So it's that. I don't listen to podcasts as much. I am not a talk radio person except NPR a little bit. I watch a lot of TV. In, I mean, I'm just a TV person and movies. But here's the other thing about content. I've gotten started, and you could do this in your community. The, your public library is generally part of, it's called Libri or Overdrive, because I took a big trip in October. I went and got my card activated. I have now listened to him on my 11th audiobook that I listen because I walk five miles a day. And I think audiobooks that teach you something, I don't really listen to fiction. I listen to nonfiction. I just listened to Thinking Fast and Slow by Dr. Daniel Kahneman. And I can't say the name of it, but it's been a number one bestseller. The, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a You-Know-What was her <laughs> book. I loved it. And I just can only tell you, to me, listening to audiobooks. Now, this is funny. I'm a person who recorded my How to Work Room as, a, as an audiobook literally 29 years ago. And now, all of a sudden, I've seen the light. So audiobooks, do it all. Do whatever feels comfortable at the time. Some days you want to read a paper. Some days you want to listen to a podcast. But be open to what's out there because that's how you'll learn. That's how you'll connect with people. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Oh, this is it. I'm a lousy sleeper, so I get up early. And uh, by the way, I found out from my mother I was always a lousy sleeper, so I don't worry about it anymore. Oh, you're a lousy sleeper from the minute you were born. So, okay. So what I do is I get my three print newspapers. I get my local San Francisco Chronicle. I get my local Marin paper, and I get the Wall Street Journal. And I take that into my bed with my iPad and my phone and my telephone. Yes, I have a landline. and. At that time, six in the morning, I start watching my boys. And my boys are Stephen Colbert, Trevor Noah, and Seth Meyers. Because I want to start each day laughing, Travis. Mm. And I've learned this. Right now, I'm listening to Al Franken's book, which I also have the hard copy of. But then it occurred to me, oh, my God, he's a satirist and a comedian. Listen to him give the book. Totally different. I went to his book signing. I've learned so much. And one of the things that he said, starting in SNL's evening up weekly update, so much of what I learn about news, et cetera, sometimes comes from those fake news shows. And I don't mean fake the way the president says fake. I mean, like the Daily Show, et cetera, Stephen Colbert's old show. So I start my day laughing because I think that's really important. And I wish I could say I start my day every day with a really good breakfast. But I've learned that This idea of having a really big breakfast every day was left over from farm times, and I'm not out hoeing or mowing, so I sometimes don't start to eat till 11 in the morning. Well, there you go. What is your go-to pump-up song? Oh, my gosh. Well, my phone, (laughs) the one on my phone that I love 
is don't you wish your girlfriend were hot like me but my my other one and i love this one is loosen up my buttons by the pussycat dolls with somebody i'm just gonna forget his name i mean those are my shows i'm a motown person so that's what i listen to i'm really not hard rock punk rock or any of that so that's it could possibly be the song it was bill withers song and i think this is our connecting song stand by me what is something that you are just not very good at susan cooking knitting sewing I have a sign on my door that says, Martha Stewart doesn't live here. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect answer. So as we get everything wrapped up here, what is one place online where we are going to be able to find you the most? Well, just put Susan Rowan in and it's S-U-S-A-N-R-O-A-N-E or www.susanrowan.com. And I will pop up. There's my website. Please follow me on Twitter at Susan Rowan or at How to Work a Room. You can find me. I have a business Facebook page. I don't accept LinkedIn invitations from people I don't know, but if you write me something fabulous that you think I'm fabulous, the chances are I'm going to go, that's a genius. Of course, I want to link in with that person. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, head over to SusanRoan.com to learn a little bit more from Susan and check out some of her books that she's written. She's a networking queen. has been doing this for a really long time. Susan, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I had a blast chatting with you. Oh, Travis, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about how we've been able to get some of the guests to come on the show, I've created a totally free resource called Meet Your Hero. So if you'd like to connect with people you respect and admire that are difficult to reach, you're going to want to go to travischapel.com hero to take action and start that training today. Have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.